Welcome to the Wittenberg Hour. Come, lady, die to live. This wedding day, perhaps, is but prolonged. Have patience and endure. Much Ado About Nothing, Act 4, Scene 1. Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Hour, where we explore big questions and discuss that which endures by means of that which has endured that scholars may endure. My name is Jocelyn Benson, and I serve as head teacher of Wittenberg Academy. What is a tragedy? And what is a comedy? Is the gospel a tragedy? Is there such a thing as a Christian tragedy? Joining us today on the Wittenberg Hour is Reverend Anthony Dodgers. Pastor Dodgers shepherds the flock at Emmanuel Lutheran in Charlotte, Iowa, is husband to Betsy, father to baby Dodgers, and loves literature. All right, Pastor Dodgers, so you have set us up beautifully. We have uh, walked through um, what is a comedy, what is a tragedy. We have in our minds uh, the arc of of these uh, of of these stories and and how uh, how it works in terms of you know the the rise and the fall or the fall and the rise um, and 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 we've we've discussed um, multiple uh, examples uh, from from cautionary tales uh, to fairy tales to uh, Dante's Divine Comedy, different examples uh, from Shakespeare of tragedy and comedy. Um, we we looked at uh, the tragedies and comedies that we see uh, in in the Bible, but I I think we haven't uh, quite gotten to kind of the, the, the climax example of, of all of this. Um, what about the gospel? What about the whole picture? I, I uh, mentioned uh, last episode that if, if we kind of take the whole, we were talking about the Old Testament uh, at that point, um, but if, if we take the whole picture, we're going to see all of these arcs of, of various, you know, rises and falls, and, and we're going to see tragedies and comedies within, um, within the, 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 the story, the whole story. Um, but if we, if we look at the gospel as a whole, is it a tragedy or a comedy? Well, we probably could have started our whole conversation with this question, but I think it's a little more fun to do it the other way around. Uh, I might have tipped my hand too much even just by using terms like death and resurrection as a way to describe the shape of a comedy, that there's, that, you know, that what was lost is now found, what is, um, the, the dead is made alive. You know, we can't hear those terms without thinking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that is exactly what we should think and it's what we want to think. But I do think it's actually uh, more fun and, and better, uh, better teaching, better learning to not just sort of spoon feed some of this stuff. And so, um, I'll, I'll mention at least uh, briefly that if there's any, you know, if there's parents listening to this and you're thinking about, uh, oh, how cool that, you know, the story of Little Red Riding Hood as a death and resurrection. And uh, maybe next time I read that to my kids, I should point this out and be like, I would actually caution you not to jump ahead too quickly. Instead, read these stories. You notice is this a tragedy, a comedy, a cautionary tale, or a fairy tale? You notice these kinds of uh, patterns, and you know, read the various stories that we've uh, that we've mentioned, as well as all of your Bible stories, as well as the story of Jesus to your children. And they let let try to let them make a lot of the connections because it will it will it will mean more to them. It'll stick more. Uh, they'll have um, just a greater reaction kind of like how you said last time Jocelyn about the the joy of a comedy is just like this this joy that keeps on giving sort of thing uh, they'll they'll I think that's probably the better way uh, as we're 
introducing these things to our children rather than you know read the story and then say now does now uh, this this is like Jesus you know and may kind of do this very um, simple one to one correlation like that uh, often when we do that I think kids maybe tune out a little bit it, they like to they like to discover this stuff for themselves and so it's okay to let them let them do that. Uh, well, when when we were uh, talking about the cautionary tales and the fairy tales, um, I actually jotted down a note when we were discussing that and, and put arrows and asterisks uh, because I was really excited about this. Um, and, and the thing that I wrote down was this is why we read these stories to our children because of the thing that you just mentioned is that it forms them it it readies them it primes them to it 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 teaches them that there is tragedy and comedy and so then when they see tragedy and comedy they can go hey that's tragedy. That's comedy. You know, it's like you know, when when we when we read these stories to our children, we don't have to we don't have to stop in the midst of the story and say, "Okay, children, now who is the bad guy? The you know the woodcutter or the wolf?" Yeah. Right? <laughs> like they just know, right? Because that's that's what a good story does. It it it's it's obvious and and yet it's still enjoyable even if it's obvious. And so I agree wholeheartedly. Just form and and inculcate your children in these stories because then um as you as you read the the narratives of scripture to them they'll say oh that's a comedy or oh that's a tragedy and maybe not your kindergartner yeah. uh you know they might, but, they, might, but they might not even ever use those particular terms even. Right. i mean maybe once you read shakespeare together then they might know those terms but um but that doesn't matter they, it's as you could say it's as simple as like oh that was a that was a happy ending or something you know and, and right. they'll they'll notice it for for themselves yeah. And, yeah. and and what you said is exactly what's you know on my mind is that uh it primes them you know it it forms in them the love for these kinds of stories these these uh you know dramatic turns where good is brought out of ev evil victory is snatched from the jaws of defeat and uh it gets them ready for it in a way that they don't um they don't even realize according to their rational mind but it gets their if I can say it this way, you know, it gets their heart ready for it. And, uh, yeah. and it, it means that they are, they're learning how to love the gospel story. Really. It's, it's yeah. shaping their affections in a way so that they, uh, really do. And I, and I, I don't, don't hear me saying, you know, we need to read these other stories in order for the gospel to work or something. Like right. That. Right. Um, no, no, but, <laughs> that would be yeah, bad. Yeah. But, <laughs> But we do, as as humans, we can't just we we. I think in all in our conversations about literature, we've talked about the interplay between the reason and the emotions, and we can't just think that you can sort of argue someone into Christian faith. Uh, there's something right. else going on there, and and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, on the human side of things, there's there's other ways that you can reach uh, a person uh, in more than just their intellect and sort of explaining things. You can also reach, uh, reach them through their, through their emotions and their experiences. And so these other stories help you, uh, help you do that a little bit. Um, well, maybe we should get, go on then to the greatest comedy of all and uh, talk about the story of Christ. The, uh, the story of Christ is just the example of the comedy story arc, where you uh, you you know you start up at the high point with his birth. The angels from heaven are singing "Glory be to God on high and peace on earth." Right? It's it's uh, it's a wonderful thing, which is why everybody loves you know so the world loves Christmas more than uh, Good Friday because <laughs> Christmas is so so happy and everything. But there is a fall after that, right? Not from Jesus's own uh, sin or anything like that, but because of what he's come to do. He faces the enemies of, 
sin, death, and the devil. And so he suffers, he dies, and we come to the bottom of the comedy story arc. And then there's the, you know, I don't need to say spoilers. You all know uh, how the story ends. Uh, there's the reversal, the literal resurrection, uh, where he, Jesus rises and he uh, ascends into heaven, completing the, uh, the comedy story arc. But I want to at least focus a little bit on that uh, that turn where this happens uh, that down at the bottom of the comedy story arc and I'm going to use the Gospel of Luke to point that out first in Luke 23 with the with the death of Jesus uh, Jesus, it, there's there's darkness over the whole land. The sun's light failed. The curtain temple's torn in two. Uh, Jesus commends his spirit into the Father's hand, and he breathes his last. And then when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. This from a human point of view, this looks like a tragedy. This is all the marker, all the markings of a of a tragedy. Uh, one where the the hero Jesus is he he's not brought to his um, his downfall because of his own doings. Here's another example of where it's not always because they were um, some sort of uh, sinful person, but just the forces arrayed against them brought them brought them down. In fact what makes it look so tragic is the centurion even recognizes this man was innocent. This is the death of an innocent man, right? We still, in our society, we get very upset about, you know, someone who dies that didn't deserve to, didn't deserve to die. Uh, and, uh, and all the crowds there, not the believers, uh, but just the other people looking on, they even recognize this and they they go home beating their breasts as a sign it's a sign of mourning it's a sign of you know this was a tragic thing to witness this this good man you know who hadn't done any wrong is put to death in such a horrible way and so from a human point of view it does look like a tragedy which is how you often uh, feel in the middle of a comp when you're in you're in a comedy but you're at the bottom of the story arc and you start to think are we actually in a tragedy is this how the story is going to end luke 24 gives us the end of the story and uh, uh it even begins with the word but and that's good to notice those little those little words there it tells you something different is going to happen right the women uh go to the tomb and the body of Jesus is not there. I want to point out their reactions to this. It says that they were perplexed, and then as they see the two angels, they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. Uh, I want to point that out because often the the turn that that great uh, reversal that happens is often so strange, so unexpected, so stunning that we don't, we have a hard time responding to it at first. Uh, and there's this mixture of fear and wonder, you know, to say that this is wonderful means that you're, it, it fills you with, with wonder, with this sort of stunned, um, you know, in some ways, fearfulness of what is this thing that I'm that I'm witnessing? I don't. I this is not what I expected, right? Um, the uh, I, I think that is actually uh, could take us into an interesting place if we wanted to consider what. Uh, why do do humans actually have such a hard time with that sudden reversal? Um, I think it's because sinful humans living in a sinful world actually sort of expect tragedy that deep down without uh you know without the grace of god that's what we that's kind of how we expect things to go and we're so used to the happy ending maybe in our stories that we just think that they'll maybe sort of we think it's normal but when it actually happens it takes us you know it it, it surprises us um 
the uh, the disciples when they hear uh, about what the women say that Jesus is risen, they don't believe them. They call it uh, an idle tale. It made me think of what uh, the fact that they call it an idle tale. I just love it. They're using literary classifications here. <laughs> um, it, it made me think of what uh, what people often uh, say. You know. It, maybe in response to the gospel story, uh, they say, well, that's just a fairy tale. And they, and they mean that as an insult, right? Because fairy tales are just idle tales. They're, they're not true. And they, uh, they give you false hope that there's going to be a shining prince that will come and rescue you or something, you know, whatever. Um, they, they, think, they think it's very realistic, and mature to recognize the world for what it is that it's we it, tragedy is the is the truth of how the world really is you know and the sooner you wake up to the, and face that that dark reality the better um, fairy tales are just for little little children and you need to grow up um, I would say if someone calls the the gospel the story of Jesus a fairy tale I would actually take that I say I take that as a compliment <laughs> because that's what that's actually what what a fairy tale is it's if as we have talked about already it follows the form of, of the gospel story with a, a death and a resurrection so um, to, to give one other name for this, uh, this, this turn that strikes people in such a stunning and uh, marvelous way, uh, we, could go, we could use J.R.R. Tolkien, who uh, he, he called this dramatic turn or this reversal the catastrophe. So he kind of coins this term that it's a, it's a catastrophe, but a good one. The U as E-U is the prefix there, um, meaning good, like... Uh, well, actually, like the word evangelical comes from this. Uh, it, evangelical literally uh, is uh, in Greek the euangelion, which means the good news. So he says this is the dramatic turn in a comedy that changes everything, brings uh, brings about the resurrection. That's the good catastrophe. It's this dramatic thing that comes from the outside and happens and changes the story uh, in a way that we didn't expect. You know, one thing we haven't touched on in this this whole conversation is the fact that you don't get the rejoicing if you don't first have the the bottom you know you don't um you know it's it, we're 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 in the season of lent right now right you you don't get the feast the feast isn't as uh as as just sumptuous if you haven't had the fast prior to that you know and 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 i think that that's something that it's interesting, especially as you were you were talking about, you know, the the that tragedy is what we expect, right? That's that's what uh, the world, you know, it, you might as well realize that you know life life is just going to hand you lemons, and there's no sugar to make lemonade out of it, you know. So <laughs> so just get used to it, uh, you know. That you just you need to just embrace the tragedy, right? Um, and it's and it's interesting to to think about that in terms of uh, you, you know that that we we don't we don't want we don't want the comedy because we can't get there ourselves and the world wants to get there themselves you know and so they but but they can't you know you can't uh, you you can't tragedy your way to comedy, <laughs> right? right? You know, and, and it, because at, at one point um, in, in both, in both arcs, um, you know, if, if you enter the story at the wrong time, uh, you could anticipate that it's going to be the other, yeah. right? You know, we, we, we live in a world of, um, we're just going to feast all the time. 
right? Eat, drink, and be merry. You know, it's, it's, it's going back to the parable of the rich fool, right? You know, eat, drink, and be merry. Feast all the time. Um, you know, live it up. Live your best life now, right? Yep. You know, we, 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 um, even though we, the, the world tells us, you know, that, that, sorry, kid, uh, you know, life is just going to be, going to be terrible. Just get used to it. Um, in the midst of that, we try to fool ourselves into believing that we're living a comedy, right? Yeah. We, you know, we try to stay on that upper arc right. that is in, in the tragedy. Yeah. Um, and, and we can't, ha- but we can't truly have that uh, if we haven't, uh, if we haven't had that, what feels like a tragedy, mm-hmm. uh, we can't have the, fe- the, the feast after that. So I, I just, think that's an interesting thing to to ponder no i thought that i thought that was a nice uh connection to make especially with you know why do we observe lent before easter uh you know you you can't uh what i was sort of thinking as you were saying saying all that was you know you can't uh you can't get the rise uh your by your own efforts, if you try to get up the rise of the of the of the arc uh, in some way, that that's that's going to lead you to a tragedy. Whereas if you take take the rise where something comes and rescues you, then that's very different, right? So you do need to be at the point down at the bottom where you need to be rescued. Uh, that does that's necessary before uh, before the the salvation can come in before, you know, the, well, as uh, the Bible says, we need to die before we can rise. We need to die with Christ. And then, then we can, then we can live with him. You're, you're right that, that the world just wants to eat, drink and be merry, rejoice all the time and all that kind of stuff. Um, we don't actually want that in our stories because those stories are boring. If everything is just great all the time and there's never any kind of, you know, dramatic tension, any kind of danger or threat or whatever uh, that you have in a comedy. Uh, it's a boring story. And, uh, you know, just to prove that we all deep down resonate with the fact that uh, the, the, the comedy story arc is really the true one, just go watch any romantic comedy you want. I, you you can pick something from the Hallmark Channel, or you can pick a, a you know maybe a slight a better movie uh, from somewhere else. But uh, all of these stories, these romantic comedies, have uh, have some, that you know the something happens in the middle of the movie where the the guy and the girl uh, get separated for some reason, right? Where, you know, and Shakespeare's doing this, doing this all the time, whether it's uh, someone lies to them and deceives them, or one of them is unfaithful, or they're, uh, you know, they think one of them's unfaithful or whatever it is, there's always this, or are they not going to get together? Is this a sad story where they break up and that's the end? Uh, and that's what makes the, makes the story worth, you know, worth watching. Uh, and so, even though we kind of call it a romantic comedy because it's often, I think we often think that that's because funny stuff happens in it. Um, it it's really a true classification that uh, that story where the guy meets girl, uh, guy loses girl, guy and girl get back together and get married at the end. That's the, again, the, the, the comedy story. And so all those um, movies that are often pretty uh you know they get they get to be a little ridiculous like nobody's life is 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 quite like this but um they're they're fun. people like to watch them because they they recognize deep down that this is this is the true story that that happens yeah and 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 we and we we want that you know we we desire that yeah. um even if we don't acknowledge that that is a desire that we have right. i want to uh Maybe it's switching gears just a tiny bit uh, because I want to let a couple other uh, wiser people than myself speak uh, just in in case anyone's kind of wondering, like, so how did he come up with all of this stuff? Uh, Or, uh, you know, where where does does anybody else talk about this or explain it? And uh, I 
I found from two quite different sources, Christians seeing the, uh, seeing the gospel story this way, explaining it in the terms of tragedy and comedy that I thought are really helpful and kind of opened my eyes to uh, this whole this whole pattern. The first is uh, Johann Gerhard, who wrote uh, this book with a long title, An Explanation of the History of the Suffering and Death of Our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he just, it, it's just a series of sermons or meditations on the passion of Christ. But at the very beginning, in sort of his introduction to the work, he says this, the story of Christ's sufferings is regarded as similar to a comedy. He's speak using the word comedy the way we've been using it. He says, because to our reason, it at first appears as wonderful and strange. He's talking about the, the death of God, this, this strange thing. How could God die on the cross, right? And then he says, but thereupon follows a gloriously decisive turn that, that's, that's the language I've been using this whole time to, to describe the upward swing of the comedy arc. Uh, he says, there follows a gloriously decisive turn, a blessed and joyful result, namely his resurrection, ascension into heaven, and his sitting at the right hand of God. So there we get the shape, the, the happy face, right? That Christ's suffering and death takes him down, and then the resurrection ascension takes him back up again. Then Gerhard goes on, though. He says, however, as pertains to the devil and his agents, namely Judas, the high priests, the scribes, Pilate, the soldiers, etc., to them, it, the passion of Christ, it is a horrible tragedy, because at the beginning, things appear to go happily and well for them, but ultimately turn out for the worst. So Gerhard points out that, uh, you know, I was saying with the death of Jesus, the people looking on, it looks like it's the, the tragedy of Jesus. Gerhard is explaining here that the, the comedy of Jesus, his death and resurrection, actually turns up, out to be a tragedy for the devil and those who follow him, right? That the death and resurrection of Jesus means their undoing. There's a, um, I could maybe uh, save this till later, but I think actually it fits really well now, this fantastic Easter hymn, one of my favorite Easter hymns from C.F.W. Walther, He's Risen, He's Risen. This is in uh, Lutheran service book number 480, and he gets the, the comedy and tragedy perfectly in these verses. Of his hymns. I just want to read those briefly to you. He says, it says, the foe was triumphant when on Calvary the Lord of creation was nailed to the tree. In Satan's domain did the hosts shout and jeer, for Jesus was slain whom the evil ones fear. So there's, at the same time, you have the downfall of Jesus in the comedy arc and the rise of the devil and his, his followers, right, where they think they're victorious. Verse 3, but, but short was their triumph. The Savior arose, and death, hell, and Satan, he vanquished his foes. The conquering Lord lifts his banner on high. He lives, yes, he lives, and will never more die. So there's the reverse for both story arcs. Uh, the devil is brought down all of his followers are uh, have their fall in the tra in their tragedy but Christ is raised and proven victorious in the uh, you know the rise of his his comedy one other one other scholar and, and author that speaks about it this way it was the the British author Dorothy Sayers she's famous for uh, her detective fiction but she's also pretty famous or was fairly famous at the time as a as a playwright and uh, she wrote actually a whole series of plays on the life of Jesus called The Man Born to Be King they were written for as um radio dramas that were performed in the uh, on the BBC and uh, you can find uh, the book uh, pretty easily online. I highly recommend it. Uh, she, at the beginning of every play, she gives her notes on the characters and the, the sets the scene 
you know, for the act is originally written for the for the actors to read, so they understood their parts better. But I think we, if you want to read the book, The Man Born to Be King, read all of her notes and and the plays as well. They're all really well worth it. Uh, at the beginning, she writes an introduction to this this book and the series of plays, and she talks about. Uh, she talks about this, the story of Christ as either tragedy or comedy. She says, you know, when we, when we read Christ's passion, his suffering and death, we, it, it takes all the shape of a classical tragedy where you have this wonderful man, uh, the rise of Jesus. He does all these wonderful things, and you think he's going to be loved and, you know, accepted by all, and then they turn against him. And he has his his fall, right? It's a very tragic thing because he doesn't deserve it, but he's brought down anyways. Uh, but then uh, she writes, in the final act, the hero is recognized for what he is. And immediately, what was the blackest human tragedy turns into divine comedy. So she you know, points out how it, it appears that the story of Jesus is a tragedy uh, with his death on the cross, but then that decisive turn comes and it's changed to uh, the comedy of all comedies in the, in the resurrection of Jesus. So while you were talking about that, I mean, it's it's kind of common practice uh, for me as as we're uh, as as we're recording these sessions. Um, I'm always taking notes because I, I love learning as as we're going and 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 while uh, you were you were talking um, about uh, Johann Gerhard's work and then as you led into Dorothy Sayers' work, um, I, I jotted down in my notes. Um, the two arcs, the the comedy and the tragedy, um, uh, superimposed on one another. You know, because that that's in my mind, that's that's what we were seeing. That as you know, as you pointed out, um, as. As Satan thought, and and I love that uh, Walther hymn. Um, it just it's it's perfect um, in in that regard, and and so I'm I'm excited to to sing that uh, this Easter because I'll I'll have a whole new uh, appreciation for that hymn. Um, but that that what seemed as you know as Sayers points out, um, what seemed like the the blackest human tragedy. Um, it it turns into the divine comedy, you know these these arcs superimposed on one another. That as as the one is 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 rising, is at the top of 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 what he thinks is the peak. He's one, um, and as Jesus is is in in his you know deepest humiliation, right? You know that then all of a sudden. It it switches. The turn um, is is victory for Christ and and defeat for for Satan. Um, so you had mentioned, or or Gerhard had mentioned, um, the uh, Judas, right? Um, and and so the the question um, becomes then, and we we talked about this a little bit before, um, but the question becomes. In terms of 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 us for for the for the Christian, right? You know, uh, Judas embraced despair, right? He gave in to despair. He 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 wanted to be, you know, as we Lutherans talk about, you know, he wanted to be regarded by his own merits. He wanted to make it right, um, you know. The and and. So for Christians, where do we put this all together in terms of of our lives? How do we sort this through in terms of, you know, for the for the Christian, how do we relate to tragedy? How does this how does this play out for us? Well, I think this gets into some really tough questions, but ones that are worth wrestling with. Uh, the figure of Judas in particular is a very difficult one to uh, to tackle in some ways. And uh, Sayers uh, does it in, a, in an interesting way as she writes his character for those, for those plays. Um, 
she's I think she spills the most ink on talking about Judas actually uh, and just why does he do why does he betray Christ and trying to kind of, I mean she's imagining um, using her imagination to to consider these questions it's not uh, you know it's not written as if uh, this is the this is the biblical truth the Bible doesn't really tell us too much about Judas's motives but um, it is it is interesting to contemplate, and it raises the question as you sort of as you have, uh, you know, is there such a thing as tragedy for Christians? Is is a Christian tragedy really possible uh, if you have the resurrection of Jesus? If the if the Christian story is a comedy, where does tragedy fit in? Because you have the like, for example, Judas. You have other people that are. <laughs> condemned to hell so it seems how does that there those how do those tragedies fit and work within this story of christ's comedy Uh, on the one hand sayers points out that christianity does take a very tragic view of human nature uh, from you know man's perspective we are uh, and from god's perspective i should say really too that uh that we are, you know, by sinful or by nature sinful and unclean. We've we've fallen in such a way that we cannot, by our own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ or come to Him. Right. So there, there is that. Uh, but from the under from the perspective of Christ's story, uh, there really is no no need at least for a, a christian tragedy um and uh if someone is gonna sayers talks about it as a playwright and as an author she says if a man is going to write a tragedy of the classic type he must be careful to keep christianity out of it uh, where christ is cheerfulness will keep breaking in you know if christ is if his story is true and it's part of the story you're writing, uh, then you can't quite escape the fact that there is a comedy. Uh, it is a comedy after all in the end. But uh, she says, you know, any any true tragedies, for example, the ones that Shakespeare wrote, uh, she's like, Shakespeare was very careful to not let anything of the Christian story come into those stories. They're, they're very, uh, and that's because as we kind of talked about before with the parable of the prodigal son and the Pharisees, the reason they are in a tragedy is because they exclude themselves from the comedy. They don't go into the rejoicing. They don't. They don't rejoice when the sinner repents. Uh, they want to be recognized on their on the basis of their own righteousness. And Judas is is much the same. Uh, when Judas, in Matthew chapter twenty seven, we we get the you know the story of what happens to Judas. He changes his mind after he sees Jesus being arrested and taken away to Pilate, and he knows that Jesus is going to be going to be killed. And he comes back to the priests and he gives, gives, gives the money, uh, the 30 pieces of silver back. And he says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, right? He realizes the evil that he did um, in his uh, sort of rise. And, uh, and, and here comes his, his downfall, uh, the priests don't help him as they should have as ministers, right? As God's servants, uh, and he has his fall here. He departs, and he went out and hanged himself. So he uh, despairs of who Christ is, and uh, I love the way Dorothy Sayers explains it. So I'm just going to read read this uh, what she says. She says, the sin of Judas played its part in the great comedy of redemption. And if he damned himself, it was because he did not choose to wait for the last act. I love that as as a way to picture what giving up hope is, what giving into despair is. Uh, In other words, Judas wrote his own ending. Uh, You know, if we're to continue with this idea of of God writing a story that is a comedy, uh, Judas doesn't 
doesn't listen to that, doesn't wait for the last chapter or the last act of the play. He writes himself into his own personal tragedy. Uh, the difference between him and Peter is that Peter does uh, wait and return to Christ. Peter also changed, both change their minds, but uh, Judas changes his mind to despair. Peter changes his mind to go back to Christ and he's you know, forgiven and restored. So uh, I, I think I, I agree with Sayers that um, really no, uh, a, there's no such thing as a true Christian tragedy because the story, the Christian story is a comedy with the resurrection of Jesus. The only reason that there are tragedies like Judas or like anyone else who is condemned to hell is because they don't, they don't, they don't want to put themselves into the story of the comedy. They don't want to be rescued uh, by the resurrection of, by the death and resurrection of Jesus. They want to do it their way. They want to be judged by their own merits. They want to be their own savior. You know, it's, it's interesting thinking about this, that word um, wait uh, really jumped out at me from that Sayers quote, um, you know, that he, he did not choose to wait for the last act. And, you know, in the midst of, of suffering, you know, the Christian uh, in the, the, the midst of suffering um, might think that he is living in a tragedy, yes. right? Um, and, and I think about how many times in, I mean, all throughout scripture. I mean, certainly you, you, we think of, of Job, right? You know, in terms of, of suffering, but thinking about, um, you know, all of the epistles and, uh, you, you know, how many times is it that, that patience and suffering are mentioned in the same sentence, right? You know, and so just this, this, even as, as we, as we, live here, you know, in, in the valley of the shadow of death, you know, that this is, you know, we're, we're living, uh, kind of what feels like the tragedy. Um, but we have to be patient. We have to wait, you know, yeah. and, and because, because the feast is coming. Right. And, and it's kind of like what we, what we mentioned before, um, you know, talking about, you know, being in the midst of, of Lent of this, of this time of, um, uh, of, uh, of this, these, these penitential seasons, you know, this is why it's, it's also, uh, I think so good to look at Advent as a penitential season, you know, prior to Christmas, you know, that Lent prior to Easter, that you have this, this time of, of kind of acknowledging the tragedy, right? You know, that we, we acknowledge this and, and we, we live in the fact that we need someone from outside of ourselves to get us to the feast, right? To get us to the rejoicing and the celebration um, because we can't do it ourselves. And, and that's what, that's what Judas wanted to do. He, he, uh, he, he wanted, he wanted to fix things himself, and because he couldn't, um, he, you know, like we, we talked before, he excluded himself uh, from, from the comedy. Um, and in doing so, right, um, that it, it, it reminds me of, you know, the fact that, um, you know, who is the author and perfecter of our faith? Right. You know, that that we're we're not the ones who are writing our story. Right. And when we try to write the when we try to write our stories, it always ends badly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I think that's very, very well put. And uh, so we're 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 here, you know, after the resurrection of Jesus in our lives and we say, OK, great. The the resurrection shows that the story of Christ is a comedy, but how do I fit into that? And, uh, and exactly as you said, we, we often feel and maybe are down at the sort of the bottom uh, of the, the story arc. And uh, as we said before, the best stories often do that arc more than once, you know, and 
you might think, oh, I've come down, I've fallen into a tragedy, but uh, no, wait, there's there's still more to come, and uh, that maybe I guess takes us takes me to uh, the fact that we need to see the whole Bible, as you said, who's you know Christ is the author and perfecter of our of our faith. The whole story of the world uh, is all a comedy, even though there's lots of there's lots of falls and rises going through the whole thing from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. The whole a big story arc of the Bible, and so also uh, the story that we find ourselves in, is a a comedy. It starts in paradise, right? A literal paradise. Uh, It starts where God is one with uh, his creation, and then there's there comes the fall. They fall into sin and death, and it would have ended there in tragedy if it had not been for God's love and grace to rescue his fallen creation. And so Christ comes and dies, rises, and brings us up to the resurrection, the restoration, the the uh, celebration at the end. And so to uh, kind of wrap, wrap this up, I thought I'd turn to Revelation itself and show where some of these great comedy images come at the end of the Bible's story. In uh, Revelation chapter 19, we get introduced to the image of the wedding. It says, Let us rejoice and exult and give God the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So, uh, we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? Christ, the bridegroom, has his bride, the church, and we are uh, all reunited there. Uh, you know, the, the, the separation that was brought about because of Adam and Eve's sin is brought to a reunion in Revelation where God and man are brought back together again. Uh, right after that, in Revelation 19, it, there's an image of Christ. Uh, it says, uh, Behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. It goes on to describe uh, Christ there, finally saying, He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So it pictures Christ on this white horse coming to judge the nations and rescue his people. And I'm just thinking, if you've read fairy tales to your kids, they're going to say, wait, Jesus is riding a white horse coming to rescue his his bride? I mean, this is literally the knight in shining armor on his white steed charging in to rescue the princess, right? Jesus, that's who Jesus is. And so it's just fantastic uh imagery that the Bible gives us and that I believe uh, fairy tales and other stories take that image you know, from the Bible and use it then uh, in their own stories. Uh, as we read on in Revelation in chapter 20, we see where the tragedy of Satan and those who follow him, whether that's uh, Judas or uh, even you know, sin and death themselves, uh, where their tragedy fits in. Christ comes to judge, and it says that the devil, the devil who had re- who had deceived them, deceived the the people of the earth, he's thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Uh, then it says. Uh, a bit later, that death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. So we have the resurrection of the dead. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, and then if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, anyone who does not believe in Jesus, they were thrown into the lake of fire. So here we see the outcome of of uh, you know the tragedy of Satan and all of his his followers, that if you try to 
do the rise yourself and rebel against God and take what you want for yourself, you're going to come to this tragic end here. Uh, on the other hand, those who are faithful to their king, they, uh, they are rescued at the end. And so in Revelation chapter 21, we see again more images for the, the, uh, the ending of a comedy. John uh, writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, he sees the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And he hears a voice saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. And then he hears uh, the one sitting on the throne say, Behold, I am making all things new. So there we have all these, these, all these comedy images of resurrection, reunion. You know, God is dwelling with man once again. That you know, it started in paradise where God lived with Adam and Eve. Now it's brought to its completion where God and man are dwelling together in a new, a new paradise. And so... Um, Everything is made. Everything is made new as well. You know, it's it's interesting to think about this in terms of the fact that, you know, we we know the end of the story. You know, we know we know that 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 Jesus won. We we know the how things turn out. And, and, and so that gives us hope every divine service, right? Uh, when, when, we, when we come to the altar and receive uh, Christ's body and blood, um, that that is, you know, as, as Dr. Uh, Just talks about, you know, that that's heaven on earth, right? Yeah. You know, and so we, we get this, this little um, reprieve uh, every every divine service where we where we get this little reprieve of okay I'm 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 living the victory right you know this this moment where where I where I get the victory and then and then we're back to uh, you know what feels like the tragedy yeah. that that we're living you know and and so it's you know God God gives us to wait for the for the final you know for the final act as as sayers put it you know that that is that is what we do we wait um in in joyful anticipation right of 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 the end um but in his in his mercy as we um as we await uh his second coming he gives us these little tastes of um and and provides for us within what feels like uh, sometimes the the tragedy. So, so to kind of bring this all together, um, can we say there is no true Christian tragedy? Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Dorothy Sayers and and make that make that point that, uh, and even with with Gerhard too that. The only people who find themselves in a tragedy are the people who set themselves against Christ, right? So that if you are with Christ, you are in a comedy and you can't end up in a tragedy. Mm -hmm. uh, tragic stories do exist. Uh, and they're mm -hmm. even, you know, as we said, they're written by people that know the Christian story, like Shakespeare, for example. But the reason they exist is because they depart in some way from the Christian story, from the divine mm -hmm. comedy. And uh, and that doesn't make them bad stories because they're illustrating what people do in life when they reject Christ, when they set themselves against him, uh, like Judas or the Pharisees. They exclude themselves from the comedy. They uh, want to, uh, you know, get to the rejoicing, to the to the to the victory. They want to get to the victory their own way rather than uh, with Christ. So uh, I would say there's no true Christian tragedy, uh, and I'd also say that that means all comedies, whether they're those romantic comedy movies that maybe, uh, you know 
gets a little uh, over the top sometimes and how sentimental they are, uh, whether it's that or a fairy tale or uh, Shakespeare or, or one of these stories in the Bible, um, they're all they're all Christian in some way. They're all based on the true Christian story. And it's easy for me to say that, to kind of make that statement, because uh, I can't I can I can just say it. I can't quite prove it. You know, I can't go through. I don't. We don't know who first came up with the story of Snow White, so we can't go to the person and say, "Did you base this on the story of Christ?" Uh, you know, and, and his bride, the church. Um, but what I will say, or I want to share something I heard recently that I found very interesting. I was listening to a, a different literature podcast, and there was a a. a a Jewish scholar talking about Jewish literature, Jewish folklore. And she's, uh, it came about because the, the other person on the podcast said, uh, you know, we kind of expect stories to end with a nice happy ending, to have a good conclusion where all the different strands are brought together and they all end with some sort of resolution and we feel good about, all right, the story. And it actually came to a an end where everything was kind of wrapped up for us. And the, the Jewish scholar said, you know, um, yeah, we in, in our culture do expect that, but that's actually not true of all cultures, all cultural stories, all folklore. And she said, for example, a lot of Jewish folklore, the tales do not end with some sort of neat nice wrap-up. Um, many of the stories just sort of end. And there's no, mm. you're like, wait, what happened? Did they forget to write the ending to this? What happened to the guy? You know? And she says, yeah, it just, they, they, they just sort of end and you don't quite, you don't always know. And it's sometimes a little, uh, oh, what's, what's the word? Not very satisfying. You know, we, we mm-hmm. want to have, want to have the ending. She said, uh, really the reason we've come to expect stories to have a nice satisfying conclusion and a wrap up is because we are influenced by Christianity so much in our culture. And, uh, and, and so for example, the Jewish folklore doesn't do that. And I, I was just thinking that's, that's incredible because isn't that actually the case with, you know, if you're still waiting for the Messiah to come, mm-hmm. you don't actually have an ending to your story yet. And I thought that was very inter- inter- interesting that a lot of their folklore reflects that we're still waiting, not in the waiting for the final act, like you were talking about, we know the end of the story is coming, but this uncertain waiting, this, I don't know how the story is going to end, um, is there a final yeah, act? Is there a final act at all? Right. Exactly. Right. Is someone someone coming to to save us and bring us to an ending, a good you know a good ending? So I thought that was a, a interesting point too. That this really does mean whether whether people know it or not, comedies are Christian. They're based on this certainty that there is an ending, and it's even a happy one. So to bring our conversation to its happy ending, uh, its wrap up, uh, I uh, just want to repeat this: uh, that that all comedies, the fairy tales, the the, the romantic comedy movies, uh, all of these things are based on the truth uh, deep down that uh, that the story of God working in and for His creation is the story of a comedy. Uh, it's the story that the true king and the true husband is victorious. Uh, the guy does get the girl. Jesus gets his bride, the church. He uh, slayed the dragon and rescued the princess. Dev- the devil is defeated. Uh, he broke the spell, the evil enchantment that held the people uh, in bondage. Sin is defeated. And he broke into the dungeon and he released the prisoners. Uh, death itself is defeated. Death cannot hold us. So uh, no matter how bad things might look in our own lives, what we see, uh, we do know that we are in a comedy and our happy ending is secure in Christ. Now we see dimly then we shall see fully. Yes. Even as we are 
fully known. Pastor Dodgers, this has been fantastic, and I, I hope our listeners, uh, like me, um, can't unsee this, right? That that now we 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 see uh, comedy and and tragedy, no, no matter where we're looking. Uh, thank you so much for being with us, and I certainly look forward to future conversations. Thank you for joining us today for the Wittenberg Hour. Be sure to subscribe to the Wittenberg Hour so as to not miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about Wittenberg Academy, please visit our website at wittenbergacademy.org. You can like and follow Wittenberg Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next time on the Wittenberg Hour.